Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch, zebras, pots, and spoonies, oh my! What chronic pain sufferers wish you knew, and before you go any further, whether you are dealing with any type of chronic pain or illness or not, whether or not you know of someone who is dealing with chronic pain, I am asking you to do me a favor, take the time to listen to this episode. My guests are mother and daughter team, Nicole and Aisley, and they are both incredibly experienced and well-versed in this topic, and they're funny, and both have struggled with chronic pain, and they have created a tool, an incredible tool, for chronic pain sufferers called the Mind Flight Journal that is going to literally save lives by giving chronic pain sufferers this tool to validate their experiences as well as help them live. Plus, we cover topics like empathy, how to support a loved one going through difficult times, women's issues in health care, and so, so much more. So stick around. That and more coming up on this episode of The Virtual Couch. Hey, before we get started today, more email feedback. Hi, Tony. I'm a big fan, but I'll bet you won't read this one. I like BetterHelp.com. I used your code, BetterHelp.com slash Virtual Couch, to get the discount that you offered. I like my therapist that I found. Now I like life. Keep on doing what you do. Sincerely, well, don't read my name. I'm afraid I gave away too many details in my email. So there you go, person who submitted the email. I did read it, and I like your email. It's short, it's simple, but it says it all. If you are interested in professional help and you have your reasons not to reach out to somebody local to you, or if you prefer not to go into a therapist's office, or you feel like the therapist in your area maybe don't have the expertise in your particular issue, whether it be anxiety, depression, chronic pain or illness, uh, betrayal, trauma, uh, OCD, you name it, then please check out betterhelp.com slash virtual couch for 10% off your first month's service. You can start communicating with someone in less than 24 hours. No waiting in uncomfortable waiting rooms, although I will admit my waiting room is pretty comfy. But it's more affordable than traditional counseling. And one thing that I, I need to talk more about is that financial aid is available. So go check out what over 500,000 people have already done before you. Sign up now by going to betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com slash virtual couch and get the help that you need or that you didn't even know that you needed today. What are you waiting for? There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp.com's counselor network, which might not be available local. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in uncomfortable waiting rooms as with traditional therapy. Again, go check out BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com slash virtual couch to get 10% off your first month's service. What are you waiting for? Go try it today. BetterHelp.com slash virtual couch. Episode 
152 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mind blab, a coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography recovery program that is helping people like you reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of pornography. If you or anybody else you know have been struggling to overcome pornography once and for all, and it can be done in a healthy shame, hold the shame, strength-based um, there's a lot of other things that I say at this point, but right now I'm, I'm kind of going off the cuff. I'm trying to record this, the video as well, because my guests today on episode 152 are worth, uh, watching the video because you get to see a very loving interaction between mother and daughter. The, what we're talking about today, I think just kind of really comes through in their passion, but uh, that's why I got thrown off on talking about the path back, but just head to pathbackrecovery.com. Do me a favor there. You can find a short uh, you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome um, people who turn to pornography as a coping mechanism. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. Do me a favor. It's helped hundreds and hundreds of people put pornography behind them once and for all. And please go check out the virtual couch page on Instagram. There's also a virtual couch page on uh, Facebook and uh, Tony Overbay licensed marriage and family therapist page on Facebook as well. And if you get a chance, stop by tonyoverbay.com and sign up there to find out more about a lot of exciting things that are coming up. So with that said, with the, the concept of what is coming up next, let's get to the show. That was my dramatic pause there because in my Oxbus recording platform, that is where now we will move into um, a little bit more of the, uh, there's the opener, but then we're also going to talk about what the today's show is like before I get to my interview with their former neighbors, uh, some of my favorite people in the world, Nicole Aldridge and Aisley Johnson, who I want to call Aisley Aldridge as well, because I've known her since she was just a child, literally two, three, four years old, something like that. But uh, Nicole and Aisley are coming on today to talk about something amazing. And I have a visual aid here. It is a book that they have completed. It's called The Mind Flight Journal. And you can see in the corner um, this little embossed graphic of uh, the, uh, it's a bird um, taking flight, The Mind Flight Journal. But today's episode, I really would, I, I would love you just kind of hang with me here for a second. The, today's episode is, is, it's pretty incredible. And not just because these are former neighbors and they say very nice things about um, some, some podcast episodes or some concepts that, uh, that helped them in the creation of the mind flight journal. But even if you don't struggle with chronic pain, even if you don't know anyone that does, but I do feel like a lot of people do know people who struggle with chronic pain. Um, but even if that is not it's something that you are dealing with, or if you don't know someone that uh, is dealing with chronic pain, I would just encourage you to just trust me on this one. Uh, listen to the entire episode. Nicole and Aisley talk about a lot of different concepts of even the way that when you go into a doctor's office and how you feel if you are heard and, uh, and just talking about some big concepts, big picture ideas in general about empathy and about how empathy uh, could there, there could be some training or perhaps some uh, we could all use a little bit of training on empathy and how to, how to listen and how to be there for other people, whether it's chronic pain or whether it's not chronic pain, but more of how to just have a better shared experience and to be able to be there for someone and, and how to even provide service for someone. So we talk about some of those concepts and Nicole also about halfway through the podcast hits on some pretty big concepts of just, just some big topics that I think uh, could almost be considered some hot button items. And some of those things will be 
around the idea of women and the way that they are perceived in healthcare. And she has some data that, that kind of backs that up. So there's just a lot of topics here. But if you know of anyone that is struggling with chronic pain or if you have chronic pain, then you you are going to get so much from this and also from their mind flight journal. And uh, my wife pointed this out. She was in the studio for a little bit, which I was so grateful for. But she even pointed out that we start right out and there's some pretty big medical uh, terms. And I'm not trying to talk about there's there's cons, there's diagnoses. There's some things that that I couldn't remember if I had to right now to tell you of some of the things that Nicole and Aisley brought up early on. And so don't let that scare you because the concepts around the, the chronic pain, the concepts around empathy and understanding are, are there from the start. So I really feel like this is an episode that you'll get a lot from. And more importantly, I really, really do feel like if you know anyone that is dealing with chronic pain, this is one of those episodes that I think that you will be able to forward to someone and, uh, and it's honest, it's, they are going to feel validated in the episode and hearing from Nicole and Aisley and, and you are going to, I, they're going to appreciate you sending them this episode because it's saying, wow, I kind of get it now, or I understand more about what you're going through. And, uh, and I think you'll like this episode. So with that said, I just, I'm so excited to get you to this episode. It's a little bit longer and we even talked about it. We talked about trying to break it up into two parts, but I, you know, Nicole and I and Aisley, we're all podcast listeners. And I just feel like there are times where if there's a podcast and a topic that I really enjoy or I'm into, then I, I'm willing to, I want to listen. I don't care how long it is. So I really think you're going to enjoy this. So with that said, let's get to my former neighbors of 18 years and the authors of the Mind Flight Journal, Nicole Aldridge and uh, Aisley Johnson. And uh, let's get to that episode right now. Okay, so wait, tell me that again. What, what do you have right there? Okay, we have this awesome pulsometer. Pulse okay. oximeter. Yeah. And it takes your pulse. Yeah. And we were just going to see who was more nervous. Like, like, <laughs> having a little contest here. Oh, I love it. All right, who, who was more nervous? I think we were about the same. Yeah. Okay. All right. About 20 beats over our normal. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah, what are the beats per minute? I, well, I can look on my Apple Watch. What are my beats per minute? Should we compare beats per minute? What were you guys No, at? you're an ultra runner. Yeah. <laughs> no, not right now. We'll never compare anything what were your What were your beats per minute? I'm curious. Uh, well, we're actually pretty low, even for non-runners. I think ours are around 80, and it's yards are usually okay, around 60. I've got 78 going right now. All right. Okay, good. Okay. We're, we know you're nervous to talk to us. Okay, so. now this, no, this is, I, and then uh, I, my wife doesn't even want me to point out that she's in the office, in the studio. Um, she's at 55. She is always. Uh, no, nice. I am not surprised at all. But, okay, my guests are today, and it's funny, Aisley, I almost wanted to say Aisley Aldridge, but we got Nicole Aldridge. Yeah, I do that all the time. Aisley Johnson, I do that all the time, right? But their mother and daughter, and this is one of those uh, times where it, I would highly recommend go watch this video on the Virtual Couch YouTube channel because they are they are just fun people and lots of smiles right now in front of me. And these are people that were my neighbors for how how long? How long were you my neighbors? Uh, eighteen years, I think. Wow! So before Aisley was even yeah born. back in the day. Right? Yeah. Oh, our, our kids grew up. Our kids said the Overbays are second mom and dad. Oh. Good times. So nice. And I know that our kids would say the same. Spent many times home. But so we are here not to talk about old times, although I could do that for hours. Oh, we could too. (laughs) We're here to talk about, and I will hold this up again for the camera, 
um, Nicole and Aisley have a book and it is called, but I'm covering up the really cool part in the corner. It's uh, it's a mind flight journal. I mean, where do we jump in? Actually, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the virtual couch. Thank you, Tony. We're happy yeah. to be here. We're actually really excited. Are you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's this part no, of me, I really am. my imposter syndrome is so, cause we would talk all the time. And I even remember when I was going back to grad school and I was bouncing that off of you, Nicole. And, and, you yeah. know, I would have my imposter syndrome of, is no is Nicole going to think that's crazy that I'm you know, <laughs> walking away from my software career and uh, trying to become a therapist and and I remember no. talking, even talk about just things that I would learn in class you know when we would and uh, oh I'm, I eat that stuff up I know you're always so enthusiastic and I used to think okay is she just doing that because she's a nice neighbor or does she no, really no no no, no. I love it and in fact though yes Tony I have well I have a couple questions for you but one of them is a reveal I told you I had a reveal I know I'm I'm frightened of the reveal whatever the reveal is I'm should be um no but when we were working on our book yeah uh, we we realized what we were trying to do is we're not trying to you know sell a book we're trying to sell like peace and change and help for people so we'll go into but what it really came down to is raising your emotional baseline oh look at you (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm not joking. So I remember the day you told me about emotional baseline. You were in your garage. I was walking past and yep. you explained this concept to me a long time ago. Yes. And, I mean, in my mind, I'm assuming you're the author of emotional baseline. Is that true? Yeah, I totally made it up. I really did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was crediting you Wait, the whole time. sound very research-based. Uh, yes, I am the founder. Tony Overbay, emotional baseline like, theory. Yes. Now being taught at all universities. But I realized that that's what our, that's what our book was doing. We're oh. just trying to raise the emotional baseline for other people. Look at that. Like literally tears right now. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's true. Well, because you know what's funny? I honestly remember that time because I really you felt like... I do because I felt like that was one of those where... I just talked Nicole's ear off about something that I just made up that I feel very strongly. (laughs) And that's where I was. She's so nice. She acts very interested in these things of therapy and psychology, but did she just walk away going, okay, all right. You know, getting a little ahead of yourself there, champ. No. Well, I think you're a product of every person that you meet. And now look, it's a little piece of Tony Overbang. (laughs) Oh, that's so nice. All right. That, that is a very, I enjoy that reveal, but I still feel very uncomfortable and, (laughs) No, but I think, oh, I also have to say, though, that I think Mackie backed you up in her latest podcast when she was talking about it. I just thought everything she just described was about raising her emotional baseline. It was really nice. Yeah. And and she kind of she's kind of like she didn't think she's doing like a journal, but she really is. Because every day, you know, she talked about how she takes pictures. I was like, exactly. That is a journal. That is her going out in the world. And looking for something good and finding it every day. Yeah. Well, well so you should be proud. I, I appreciate that. I do. And I love the feedback about the episodes where she's on. So, yeah. I mean, a good place to kind of jump in about what brought you guys here. And I mean, because you work together to create the journal. What's the journal? Who's the journal for? What's it about? Okay. Uh, easily, go ahead. Um, so I was in college finishing up my biology degree. I would, this is going to be hard to know you so well. Cause I want to make the joke of you were about 15 at the time. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. ahead of the, right? but I will be quiet. Okay. <laughs> well, good. So I was finishing my biology degree and I had, I was getting an emphasis in neuroscience. So I was taking some neurology classes and for one of my senior projects, I decided to do it on trigeminal neuralgia, which is what she has. One of the things I did was I followed the Facebook group of trigeminal neuralgia as a support group, just so I could get a better perspective on it. 
And I, my eyes were kind of open to that chronic pain, chronic illness community. At the same time, I was also learning about growth mindset and how powerful the brain is with neuroplasticity, all that stuff in my class. And so my mom and I got to talking on the phone about what was something we could do to help these people because there's not a lot out there. The idea came rather quickly that we could make a journal that could help them track their health so that they can notice patterns in their illness and pain. And also something that had an aspect of helping them, helping their mind kind of escape and finding peace and comfort through writing prompts and rewiring your brain just to raise that emotional baseline a little bit more. So then when you, when you started hearing or putting those pieces together, was this something you go right to your mom and and say, all right, tell me more. I figured this out. Or, or what was that like? Yeah. I mean, we, we got to work on it really fast. And yeah. It talked, took us a long time. I go back and forth. Yeah. And I graduated in December and then right when I moved to Arkansas from Idaho, we got working right away. So who, who's, I mean, was there a, did you both kind of come to this together or, and Nicole, had you been thinking about doing something like this for a long time? No, honestly. Um, and in the way we work together, we don't keep track of who does what, you know, it's both been like, you know, there's days where she does a lot more than I do, or I do a lot more. And we don't even care. Okay. We just have this goal of like, let's get this out there. Let's get this um, into the community and try to help people who have chronic pain. Cause I, I, I'm going to be a terrible entrepreneur. Cause I was saying, I'd probably give these all away to people who have chronic pain because I do, I believe in it. There's, there's a lot of studies coming out now that talk about how, how dangerous some of the drugs are. And, and I've had to take some of those drugs and, and that's the only alternative for some people, but there are things that you can do with your brain that will raise your emotional baseline. You can be a little bit happier. Well, before we even get to that too, I want to hear, so let's, I mean, Aisley had mentioned that, and what was the condition that you were talking about, Aisley, that you knew that your mom had that you. Yeah, it's trigeminal neuralgia. Okay. So obviously Nicole, you've got a story, right? A chronic pain yeah, story. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'll, I'll try to keep it <laughs> dense. I don't want to bore anybody. No, but, we've got all day. I want to hear this. I <laughs> well, I had, we're, we're kind of now discovering some patterns in our family and there's probably something genetic that we have. Um, we've already been, one of our kids has already been diagnosed and it is a hereditary condition and we could talk about that later. But um, it started off probably with, I hurt myself at work. I had a really serious back injury and because it happened at work and went through workers' comp, it took me a long time to get this situation resolved, but I did end up having um, a disc replacement infusion. And that was a pretty serious surgery. It took me about a year to recover from that. And it was very painful. It's so hard again to not, as your neighbor, I remember literally yeah. watching you walk down the street um, yeah. trying to recover from that. And, you know, here's a yeah. person who you had ran, what, a half marathon with my wife at one point in one of the... Wait, stop right there. Okay. My claim to fame. I was Wendy Overbay's running partner. I have never been so proud. Oh, okay. And I don't want to go off into that was, that was okay. because you guys had trained for a half marathon. You yeah. guys had trained on the roads. And I still remember this day, nobody knew that it was a incredibly hard oh. trail half marathon that finished across the sands of the beach after your legs were thrashed. And we've got home videos of watching, you guys across, right? It was, yeah. But so, but, but, but I mean, to that point, right. You were going from something where you had run an incredibly hard half marathon yeah. to now I would see you kind of hobble down the street. Oh yeah. I had a walker. There were many times yes. I had a walker. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause my uh, foot ended up getting paralyzed. It's called foot drop or drop foot. And 
once you get to that point, then they can't really deny you surgery anymore because the chances of you having permanent damage get to be pretty strong. So mm -hmm. then I had to have the surgery. So, okay. so I started with that. Um, and that was probably a good eight years though, before it took me to get that surgery. And I had been in a lot of pain. Um, mm -hmm. I had been like kneeling at my desk and I was, I was hurting. And at this time I work full time. I have five teenage daughters. Um, it was hard, but, um, uh, probably about a year after that, I had just, I've been feeling good. Like, okay, I can conquer the world. And, uh, I still remember where I was. I was in my kitchen two doors down from you guys. <laughs> and I felt like this shock in my ear, like an electric shock and it kept happening. And I thought, Oh, that's just kind of weird. And you know, it kept happening. And then a couple weeks later, I got a rash all over my jaw and I just figured, Oh, I guess I broke out or I don't know, but it was kind of like, infected and it was weird, but I just let it go. And, uh, then a couple weeks after that, I went into the doctor and thinking, I have to explain to the doctor that I have a bug in my ear and this is going to be so embarrassing. Oh. So I went in, I'm like, doctor, I think I have a bug in my ear because I could just feel this vibrating. You know, I, I was pretty sure. Um, but he looked and he's like, no, no bug. <laughs> First of all, maybe here's where we enter doctors. And I mean, what, did you feel like he was listening okay. or hearing you or did he feel like, did you feel like he's thinking, all right, you're, you're kind I, of you know, I, I was, I was kind of pretty happy to find out I didn't have a bug in my ear, but I was still kind of perplexed. Okay. Um, but I mean, there's been some good and some worse since then. But, um, so a couple of weeks later, I, uh, I noticed that like my face is tingling, uh, I'm feeling pins and needles and my, I'm just positive my ear is infected because it hurts so bad. So I go back in I'm like, yep, I have an ear infection. And he looks in my ear. He's like, yeah, nothing. And go back home weeks later. I'm at this point, I can't get off the couch for some reason. Like it hurts so bad. It's going down my neck and in my jaw. And, um, I'm having a hard time standing up. So this, I went down on the couch for like a month. And if I stood up, I felt like I was going to pass out. So life's kind of getting hard. And I've been going back in and they still can't really find anything that's wrong. And um, one of the times I went in, they said, well, we can't see anything, but let's talk about your heart rate. And my resting heart rate at that point was like 155. And I was like, oh, and, and mine's usually like in the fifties, yeah. like, I'm so tired, you know, it kind of made me feel good. And I was having weird things happen. Like I would wake up at night and I just felt like, you know, that feeling when you almost get in a car wreck and the adrenaline just like surges through your body. I would wake up with that adrenaline in my body. Wow. So this is going on and on. And, and, uh, finally I'm, I'm sent to a cardiologist. I'm sent to ENT. I'm sent to neurologist. Um, how long, kinds of how long does this happen to I me? Mean, yeah. Oh, okay. This is months. Yeah, this is months. Okay. And um, so I, I was starting to Google things at this point. <laughs> and I had found something called trigeminal neuralgia that sounded pretty close, but not as close as something called geniculate neuralgia. And they're pretty much the same thing, but affecting different cranial nerves. So they're kind of in the base of your brain. And then the nerves go forward, like into your face or or down to your body, depending upon which nerve it is. And when I read geniculate neuralgia and the symptoms, and it was something that was so rare, um, it sounded right on. And, and I was really lucky because when I went back to um, my family physician, he said, you know, I think it's, I think it's tic de la rue. 
which is just kind of the old fashioned name for trigeminal neuralgia. And uh, so he had sent me to the neurologist who would have been a specialist in this. And basically the neurologist just said, yeah, yeah, I think you have it here. You can take this, 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 what do you want to do? And I was kind of like, well, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what's best for me. And I started getting really discouraged because uh, the cardiologist, I felt like uh, I really, I wanted to know what was going on with me. I didn't want to just have drugs thrown at me. I wanted to understand what was going on with my body. And, and, you know, when you go to the specialists, your copay is quite a bit higher. And I thought I'm paying, you know, $250 for this guy to give me two minutes of his time. And, you know, finally the heart doctor said he spent like two minutes with me and I had this whole list of questions and none of them were answered. And he walked out of the room and I just started to lose it. Like I just wanted to know what the heck is going on with my body and he hadn't told me anything. And I just kind of gathered myself together. And I'm like, so I walked out in the hallway and I said, do I have autonomic dysfunction? He's like, well, yeah. I was like, okay, thanks for letting me know. <laughs> what does that mean? What is that? Okay. Autonomic dysfunction. Um, another name is POTS, um, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And you can get it for different reasons. But basically, when I stand up, um, the blood isn't going to my head. So my heart keeps trying to pump it and it's going super, super fast. And this is why I'm getting tired. And that's why my, my heart was always up. So he was pretty sure that was going to go away when it, and it never did. And, uh, by this time I had joined a couple of Facebook group books, Facebook groups, um, for trigeminal neuralgia and geniculate neuralgia. And it was extremely comforting to me to find other people who had this and trigeminal neuralgia, not to be dramatic, but it is nicknamed the suicide disease. And if you look at any, any list that goes, you know, floating around there, it says top, you know, most painful diseases, this is on it. And I feel like, kind of feel like I have imposter syndrome saying that, that I'm on this list because there's people who have it way, way, way worse than me. I mean, it is, it can just destroy their lives. And, and mine is, um, it's definitely been hard and it's definitely been painful. I'm not near as bad as, as some of the others can well, be. Can I, even, can I even step back too? I mean, yeah. so it's long it's this process of, yeah. and you are trying to figure things out. Do you, yeah. do you feel a lot of times like you were being dismissed along the way? Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh yeah. So what is that like? Because I feel like I know that people come into me even and Hey, I've Googled uh, bipolar. I, I think I might be bipolar. Oh, yeah. Or, and did you kind of feel there was resistance from whether it was doctors or people, friends yeah. or, okay. Mm-hmm. What was that process like? Uh, it was extremely frustrating. <laughs> there's there's a meme in the Spoonie world, and we could talk, talk about, about Spoonies. You okay. Spoonies. This is I really I didn't know this term, and I I, I okay. I'm hearing this. Yeah. Okay. In the chronic pain world, there's there's a spoon theory, okay. and I don't know the woman. There is a specific woman who came up with this, but she was trying to explain what having a chronic illness is like to somebody, and she's sitting across at dinner, and she holds up a spoon and says, "Okay." this is a unit of energy and most people have an unlimited number of spoons in their life. But for someone who has chronic pain, they might have five spoons or 10 spoons and every day they have to make a decision like, okay, I'm going to use a spoon. If I take a shower, uh, I'm going to use a spoon if I cook dinner and then you run out of spoons. And so if you have chronic pain and you're running out of energy, you are a spoonie. Uh, so, okay. so one of my favorite spoonie means is, you know, the doctor says, you know, don't confuse um, your Google search with my, you know, 
eight years of, of medical training. And then, you know, the chronic pain patient says, don't confuse your one hour lecture in medical school on my 20 years of having this condition. Okay. Yeah. And I do feel like I got to be honest. I mean, as a therapist, I feel like there was a shift at one point where if somebody is bringing me, I think I may have this diagnosis. I I had to realize that I have to have empathy for that because yeah, they're they're the ones who, the reason they've gone and Googled that is because of all of the the emotional issues or the pain or the suffering or the questions they've had and those aren't being met. So why would I not want to spend that time and say, Okay, I'll read the article that you want me to read, or I'll I'll hear the the diagnostic wow. article if you want to, because because somebody somebody awesome. has to care, somebody has to hear you. So I that's why when you were saying yeah. you go in there and you got the one or two minutes with the yeah. doctor, again they're just saying yes. I'm I'm the professional, I know what I'm talking about, and I know that must be just oh, one one of the articles it's I really read. Really hard to know what? Yeah. Well, as I say, one of the articles that I, I refer to often now in working with people with personality disorders is one that someone had sent me and they just said, hey, check this out. And they, when they sent it to me, they even told me that a previous therapist had said, hey, I'm not going to read the things you send me. You need to read the things I send you. And I thought, wow, that is, that is just mind blowing. Yeah. Okay. And so, that is why Tony O'Brien is so humble. Oh, you are very kind. Okay. I didn't mean to do that, but. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate and I did have, I do like my doctor now I'll bring him articles and, and he doesn't treat me like an idiot. And I so appreciate that. I mean, I know one of these cliched things probably to say though, is, I mean, if you don't feel a connection with your doctor, just like when I'm saying, if somebody doesn't feel a connection with their therapist, yeah. please go find a therapist that you feel a connection with. Is it the same with doctors and chronic pain? Do you feel like that's similar? I absolutely do. And I think anyone with chronic pain would tell you that because I don't know, uh, you know, some of these conditions, this one could be one of them, um, and there's many more. It takes years um, mm. to be diagnosed. And I think with trigeminal neuralgia, if I remember right, I get all my neurologists mixed up because I, I have a few of them. <laughs> um, you know, I think it takes like, I think it took like four years before people got a diagnosis and they had seen about seven doctors. Wow. So you have to kind of show up and find somebody who will work with you and someone who knows about it because, um, well, Aisley, tell them that, that zebra. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So one of the medical conditions that a lot of chronic illness or spoonies have, I guess you could say, is Ehlers-Danlos. And that's the one that my sister has been diagnosed with. Okay. And so it's called Ehlers-Danlos, and it's a connective tissue disorder. And they have two kind of sayings about it. And one is, if you can't connect the issues, think connective tissues. And so these people have like a lot of unrelated issues and they're going into the doctor and a lot of doctors are taught that if you hear hoofbeats, assume it's horses and not zebras, because usually when someone comes in, they want to just, it's better to assume that they have the more common thing Mm -hmm. than the rare thing. And so the mascot for the Ehlers-Danlos illness is actually a zebra because in that that case, it's not a Zebra. Right. You really are the zebra. I know. <laughs> and a little do listeners know that our high school mascot in the area is the fighting zebra. So how ironic. Right. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure people will find very entertaining. Right. But I love that analogy because I, it's, it's so funny that uh, even I am guilty at times of, you know, that whole uh, concept of Occam's razor. Do you know that one where the most obvious thing is the thing that's that theory? Yeah. So I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. 
this is where I feel like sometimes all things uh, in the podcast and the therapy and the research, all this stuff, sometimes it all comes together. So if you're believing all the time in Occam's razor and the most obvious thing is the thing, there's your confirmation bias. So then if you're, you know, and so if, you, if that's the confirmation bias, I'm going to look for all the things that support that the most obvious thing is the yeah. thing. And then I'm not going exactly. to yeah. take a look at the, you know, the, the minority, um, uh, whatever that diagnosis yeah. might be. Wow. Yeah, which is why it takes so long for people to get diagnosed. It does. And I credit seriously my you know, my Facebook group, my Facebook groups for uh, helping me get that diagnosis because I could see myself uh-huh. in their comments and in their their own symptoms and in fact um I, when I had been on there I had noticed that one neurosurgeon kept coming up and uh he was at UC Irvine and I found like a $45 JetBlue plane and I just booked an appointment and went down. And after, you know, being told I was just, you know, um, maybe just needed to drink more water or, or whatever by some doctors, he actually looked at my MRI that other doctors had said, no, you're fine. I said, no, you have four cranial nerve compressions on, you have, wow. you know, I had all these nerves and he confirmed it. And, you know, that moment kind of changed my life because I realized I could trust myself I could trust my instincts yeah. and, um, and that I could, I could figure things out and, and, and I was on to something. It kind of empowered me. So was there also frustration though in the, so you're empowered, but you still have the pain, right? Or you're empowered and you've chased it yes. of trying to figure this out or be heard, or now I feel heard. Was there a moment where you, you know, is there a brief moment where you think, okay, I've got this figured out or, or was it like, even though I've got this figured out, now what or what's next? You know, an interesting thing that I've seen with other chronic pain uh, patients is that when they do get a diagnosis, they're usually not freaked out. They've already accepted how their life is and the pain uh, that they're going through. They're just so relieved to have someone believe them and to have a diagnosis. Okay. So you mentioned, uh, is it a, uh, was it one of your sisters, Aisley, that was diagnosed with the chronic pain issue as well? Okay. Okay. Yeah. What, tell me about. I don't know. Tell me about that. So yeah. So that's Annika. Okay. Little, yes. Little oh, love her. That Annika is the one. Annika and Mackie, two-time Virtual Couch Podcast guest, yeah. grew up oh, right playing horses, watching the movie Spirit, more horses. I have so many home videos yeah. of them just sitting there on the couch, so cute. With uh, they were the cutest ever. Period. The cutest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that. Yeah. yeah this is huge, right? Tell me about this one. Yeah, so Annika had her own slew of health problems, and she had had a lot of uh, headaches and things that were making her migraines that were actually making her lose her speech, which was really concerning. And she had other symptoms like the POTS that my mom had talked about, where you get up and your heart rate goes up. So she would, you know, fall to the ground because yeah, she was falling down a lot. So like she twenty times a day. Yeah, so she had all that going on. And she finally got an MRI that showed that she had a Chiari malformation, which is basically when your the cerebellum in the back of your head is kind of sinking into your spine more than it should be. And it causes all those problems. Wow. And so, yeah. And then she also had a um, mass in her temporal lobe. So she had, the surgery to get her Chiari fixed, but she's still facing some, a lot of symptoms of her chronic illness. And so 
I mean, that's surgery, surgery was no joke. I mean, literal brain surgery, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. got a huge Super you know, cool. scar. It was, it was a good brain surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we've had a lot of exposure to that chronic pain world, and so that's kind of what helped us start our yeah and that was kind of in the that was after we had started making the journal too and it was like this is kind of neat that then you know have something to give to her to deal with some of her pain Mm -hmm. can i tell you a funny story and annika will have to get her i'm sure she'll do this but if not i would edit it out but i think i was so honored (laughs) when i don't know if you guys knew this but when she was in school at first in college she had a job where she was acting out parts for um oh yeah 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 so I was, I don't think I was yeah. honored when she'd reached out to me and just said, Hey, you know, I'm, I have to play a, the part of like a, a betrayed woman, you know, and not like in a play yes. so that, uh, so people, I think what psychiatrists or psychiatrists, yeah, she had to be a big yeah. patient. And so I just said, Oh my gosh, Annika, this is right in my wheelhouse. You know, I happen to do a ton of this betrayal trauma and, and pornography addiction and all this. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. And so she, and I, yeah, I think it was about pornography. Was, and she, yeah, and, and she was going to be the woman who her husband, she had found out that her husband had had an addiction and, and again, it was to help people and whether it was therapists, psychologists. Yeah. And so she and I had a the yeah. this about two hour talk one, uh, one weekend where she had just the coolest questions and I'm telling her all these th- you know, theories and what I see in the, in the room. And she was, I mean, she asked the best questions. It was like, man, she's gonna be the greatest fake you know, oh yeah, uh, there couldn't have been ever. anyone more prepared. Yeah, right. And yeah, so, she's like, like, supposed to be expert. Well, that was kind of, and I was like, oh, Annika, this is like, this is really, this is satisfying for me as well. You know, anytime you have another, well, now you can add acting coach to your yeah. resume. Oh, I'm an acting coach, exactly. I'm an acting. Yeah, you coach. are. No, oh, that's very kind. Right? Um, so, so now, so Annika, and so easily you had said that Annika then for still kind of faces some hurdles ahead. Um, but, but mm-hmm. man, if she wouldn't have got yeah. that diagnosis or if it would have just been, oh, she's just, she's clumsy, you know, that's, if no one would listen, if no one right. would have heard her, which we did tell her her whole life. And now we all feel kind of stupid about it. Well, I can't we would tease her when every, tell story, every day we would hear her falling, we would hear her fall and she would fall up the stairs all the time. And we would always just say, Annika, motor skills. And we would just tease her, you know, and now we're like, oh, it's really had a disability this whole time that they they can be kind of clumsy because it's the area of your brain that kind of helps with coordination okay so and then Aisley, do you i mean you right now you are you talked about connective tissue disorder that i mean is that something that tell me why you know more about that easily yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it it does seem to run in families quite a bit and uh-huh. so once on got her diagnosis of that and a lot of her symptoms they're like they're all connected and it seems like a lot of things in the chronic illness community are seem to be all connected yeah sometimes we all have the same symptoms so it's kind of interesting but I had just had uh just a few symptoms I haven't had to suffer with a lot of chronic pain but um because connective tissue is all throughout your body you know you could have a lot of different symptoms and it's it's because the collagen is messed up and so you have weak connective tissue and so you have things like joint pain and dislocations and stuff like that and so I had a little bit of that and I really am lucky I don't have to face a lot of that but I just have to be careful because you know having some of that while you're in your 20s is just you got to kind of take care of it now before okay yeah there's some 
I mean, it's being aware. I mean, that, so right now you're just kind of saying, right. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I, well, there's some interesting tests for it. Like, and when we, we visited with the neurosurgeon, one of the first things he had Annika do is he tested her hypermobility and it was like, can you do this? Can you do this? And like, one of them is like, I don't know if I'll show you, but like, can you touch your thumb to your wrist? You know, all these little are you things. To be able and, to? Are you, I can't, I'm not even close. Well, you're not supposed to, you know, or like, you know, <laughs> how far can you build? Bend your fingers back. And so we all score really highly on this. And then we were all like, oh, you know, we didn't ever realize that people couldn't do things like this. And, uh, you know, a lot of people could be hypermobile and not have any symptoms. But um, it appears to be there's probably a little something going on. So, uh, but the hard part is she's referred to a geneticist because we got to get this figured out. And we finally just got our confirmation that they they have the referral from the neurosurgeon. And yes, they want to see her and they're going to do the test. Um, and their nearest appointment uh, will be in 2021. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So I just, you know, it's, you know, it's just takes a while. So you just got to start early if you experience any symptoms. <laughs> well, I would say, all right, so note to uh, young kids or teenagers hearing the podcast, become yeah. a neurologist, become a neurosurgeon. They're, the demand is insane. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, and actually it, it's changed what Aisley is doing with her life because the reason that Annika was diagnosed is she had been to probably five or six different doctors to get checkups, you know, random things throughout her life. And she was just told, oh, you're just stressed. Uh-huh. You know, you're just having headaches because you're stressed. And here this girl, she's a runner. She yeah. lifts weights, meditates. She does yoga. She eats healthy. She's doing everything right. And she's still being told, you know, you're just stressed. Yeah. And uh, it just took one medical professional, a nurse practitioner, who just kind of said, I don't feel good about this. Has anyone done an MRI? And no. And they did the MRI and they found it right away. Wow. And and you can put it in there where how it changed the way you feel about what you want to do now. Yeah. So I already finished my degree and I decided to start taking the prereqs that I hadn't taken yet for PA school. So I'm in a couple classes right now so that I can apply later this year. But I just it made me want to be able to be the kind of medical professional that will really listen to people because I realize how yeah. important that is and to really believe people and well, that made giving, give them a- I, I know, right. That, that, I mean, it's funny because I knew that you were, you, you were incredibly intelligent and, and empathetic and I knew you were wanting to become a PA and those sort of things, but now it just, things just kind of got a little more, they made more sense of, yeah, you're going to be an incredible PA. Yeah. The, what you've already experienced. And, um, that is nice. Cause I feel like a lot of times the, well, no, I, I was going to say, I'm not kind of throwing the blanket over the entire medical community, but I get why. And I, I, I can understand why it can be hard if people do feel like they're coming in. And, Cause I felt this as a therapist where people come in and they're telling you, I've Googled a lot of things and here's all of these things that I yeah. might be I, like, I can understand that, but I do feel if you really have empathy for that person coming in the office or coming in the room, they aren't just doing that because they they just thought, I think I'll schedule an appointment, pay a lot of money, and then just go tell someone a bunch of things that I've Googled. Yeah. It's a reason why. I mean, there's just a why reason. Why do we do that? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes... But sadly, it happens yeah. all the time. Yeah. And I think as a medical, uh, we always say as a healthcare professional, I do feel like sometimes yeah. you assume, okay, they're coming to me for my knowledge. They're coming to me for my wisdom. Yeah. I really feel like it, we need to shift that a little bit in the healthcare uh, community. They're coming to me first to be heard. And then once yeah. I hear them, now I can kind of say, all right, here's what, here's the knowledge I have. And let's see if we can 
get a little yeah. bit of a mesh here. And if not, then let's, let's kind of keep the ball rolling and get you to somebody that can hear or might hear you or understand you better. Okay. So and that's why you're so like, Oh, you're kind. You're too kind. So I am curious. We had, we had talked a little bit beforehand too. There's a, so this is um, shifting directions a little bit. Tell me there is a difference in chronic pain between men and women. Like what is that? Huge difference. Okay. Tell me. Um, Cause I feel like, I, I, I don't know. I was going to say, I feel like this is one of those things where, you know, I did a podcast a while back on a thing called HSP, highly sensitive person, you know, sensory processing. Sensitive. Yeah, oh, I love that one. Well, that one, that one just opened my eyes to, and I feel like that yeah. one is a lot of those things where um, it get, all goes back to that. Why, why is it my job to tell someone that to get over something or something's not such a big deal or that sort of thing. And so I feel, and that changed even my couples therapy approach, because even though I love this, and I know I'm going on a tangent, but this emotionally focused therapy CFT, where it's all about seek first, understand my job's not to fix or judge. I need to have empathy for my partner. And I, and I just feel like, man, that really exposed a lot of bless their hearts, men and their fix it mentality, wanting to say yeah. they, they yeah. think they're coming from a good place saying, don't worry about it. It'll be okay. Oh, yeah. Right. And so, yeah. so I can already feel with the chronic pain piece that dynamic in relationships that I see on my couch where if a a woman is really struggling, I do see a lot of times where the guy says, look, I don't even know what to do with this or you just need to get over it or it's just in your head. And, and I know that even when he's saying that and it's very insensitive that I feel like he's kind of trying to say, come on, like, just don't let it get you down because he doesn't know what else to do or say. But, but so what is that difference or why is there a difference? Well, first of all, it would be hugely beneficial if, you know, people like you could, talk to medical students about this because I know they have so much to learn. I have incredible respect for doctors. Mm-hmm. I really, really do. I, uh, two of my son-in-laws are in the healthcare industry and I know that doctors go into it because they really want to help people. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I totally believe that, but I do think sometimes there's some leftovers of what might have been labeled hysteria at one point mm-hmm. in the medical world. Uh, about women. And it's not because people are bad. It's just that, that times shift. And when people know better, they do better. And we just have to get the word out there. So I just wanted to read you a couple things that, um, a a couple of studies. So these are official statistics. I even cited them. So I'm not making this up, but, um, for example, 70% of people with chronic pain are women but 80% of the studies are conducted on males or even male mice. Wow. So a lot of, yeah, a lot of the studies are done on men and they're finding that the way women metabolize different drugs or handle pain or all of that, it's quite different than how a man would. So we're just starting to, I think teachers are finally starting to do that. Some other things that I, I wanted to point out there is there's a paper that I think is pretty popular. It was called the girl who cried pain, a bias against women in the treatment of pain. And these are by some doctors. Um, but this is a quote from that. Although women more frequently report pain to a healthcare provider, they are more likely to have their pain reports discounted as emotional or yeah. psychogenic and therefore not real. Women being socialized to attend more to their physical appearance are more likely than men to have healthcare providers assume they are not in pain if they look more physically attractive. Men with chronic pain are more likely to delay seeking treatment, but generally receive a more aggressive response by healthcare providers once they enter the healthcare system. So things like that are kind of uh, interesting to me. There's another study, um, and this was, I think, out of uh, Harvard, Women in Pain, Disparities in Experience and Treatment. 
consider this, women in pain are more likely than men to receive prescriptions for sedatives rather than medication for their ailments. So they talked about how an, a man and a woman could walk into an ER emergency room and, and talk about the exact same symptoms, have the exact same diagnosis. The man will be sent away with a painkiller and the woman will be sent away with a sedative. Wow. Okay. That's, we need to do a separate podcast on this entire thing, Nicole. <laughs> I mean, I have so many studies like that and it's not because people are bad. And I have to exactly. say, yeah. I'm a part of letting this happen. Yeah. It's, it's not because I've had doctors tell me that it's in my head. And if you ask women, in fact, I, there was one study that showed that 83% of women have found gender bias in healthcare. And if you're a woman of color, it's even worse. But it happens a lot. And like I was saying, it's not because anyone's bad. And my part in it is, you know, when the doctor told me, you know, you're probably just stressed and it's in your head. You know what I did? I clammed up. I walked out of the door. I went in my car and I cried. Uh, Why didn't I say, uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I didn't. And, and if people don't know better, they can't do better. So that is my fault. I needed to stand. All right. We are back. We had a little bit of a internet glitch. And so, and we were, yeah. we were, you were, you were being passionate. I was, I was being passionate. Yeah. Maybe there was too much passion and that, and it clogged the internet. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. You know, you were holding still for so long. I thought, wow, he really loves what I'm talking about. He can't <laughs> even move. <laughs> that, I'm glad it depends on what, yeah, what face I had then when the internet stopped. Cause you guys, both yeah. like, I could still hear you, Nicole, but you and Aisley both were kind of looking elsewhere. And I honestly, here's where my ADD moment came in. I wanted to do a screen capture of that video, but then I thought that's probably, <laughs> but so let's pick up. Do you remember, do you remember your, I want you to pick up the story that you were telling. I, I was just saying how I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, doctors who might assume that whatever the woman's problem is, it's in her head. Um, I think it's a cultural problem. We're all getting over it. And we, as women, uh, we need to do our part as well. And I, I was, I was referencing how I haven't done my part because when a doctor has blown me off mm. or um, made me feel like my symptoms were in my head, what I did was I didn't say anything. I left the doctor's office, went into my car and cried. How is that going to help the doctor? Because if he doesn't know any better, he can't do better. And yeah. I should have said something. And I think we need to be more assertive about saying, hey, you know, when you told me that's in my head, like, that's just not clicking with me because I have these symptoms that can be tracked. I mean, okay, here, here's my fever or here's, here's this really is that in my head. Yeah. And we need to stand up and kind of talk more about that. Hey, is that a place to, and it's so funny. I realize we're, we're a little ways into the podcast and we haven't really talked about, yeah. started to talk about the mind flight journal. And so I, even when you talk about, yeah. I can track the, here are these symptoms that I can track. That yeah. is the cool. One of the coolest parts about this is, I just opened up to any page. I mean, right. I mean, well, you know, the, the, and it's right. The daily challenge. Oh, I love the daily challenges, by the way, this one, I haven't opened up, ask someone for the favorite oh, because it took us a long time to come up with all of them. <laughs> but you were, you know, you were always an amazing, uh, you, you like, you cook really good dessert. So I loved when we were over at your house and there was a dessert to try, but on all of the pages, there's the, the date, the pain levels, AM and PM symptoms, notes, yeah. and dosages, stats, sleep, exercise, water, diet. I mean, you've got a, a cool little graphic where you show where is the pain. So you're, that's why I love this. Everyone needs one of these. And if you go walking into your doctor armed with a mind flight journal and they say it's in your head, then it's like, can you just, just thumb through this for 
a minute, please. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what it is. It's half of it is tracking your physical symptoms. So you can, you know, see patterns or learn triggers or take it to your doctor. Mm -hmm. But the other half is let's raise your emotional baseline. Which is so cool. I mean, that is because that's the right, the daily challenges, and you've got some just amazing quotes. Yeah. Um, and then on the, okay, write a fictitious, uh, write a letter to a fictitious person telling them what your dreams are. I mean, if you just turn page, make a list of two small things that others have done for you and two small things you've done for others every day. The next one, what can, what makes you unique? And so now I really am so uh, touched. I guess we were talking before we hit record again that your goal is just yeah. all things are just, you bet, we're tracking real pain levels. Yeah real symptoms and, and you're keeping mm-hmm. track of dosages and medications, but it's also mm-hmm. these things on the right of the page. They are to raise, raise yeah. the waistline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Aisley will talk for a minute about the whole um, neuroplasticity, which you've included in a lot of your podcasts. Yeah. Lately. But that's part of it. Okay. We'll talk, talk about, about that for a second, Aisley. Yeah. Well, I think it's connected to the emotional baseline in a way, because I think that your brain is so good at uh, you know, the more you think something, the faster you're, you're going to go right to that thought. Yeah. And so we hope that in your journal, we made specific writing prompts that kind of guide your thinking somewhere more, a bit more positive. And so we have like creative writing prompts. We have ones that help you kind of rewrite your story in a more positive way and what you've learned from it and what you can learn from it continually. And then we also have the gratitude section so that you can keep thinking about what you're grateful for at the end of each day. And hopefully as you go through the journal, it'll be easier to see the good in your life. And hopefully that will yeah. make you feel just a little bit better. We can just change those pathways in your brain. And I love yeah. that because I, again, what I love and, and on, I'm being dead serious that what I love about each page, you open it up and you've got real I am, I am not crazy. This is my reality. Symptoms, dosages, pain levels. Yeah, yeah. And then, and so we're not dismissing that. We're not saying that's in, just in your head. I mean, we're acknowledging that. And on the yeah, right side, yeah. the, I, I'm these prompts have me, again, not ignoring the, the reality of pain and those things that are going on in my life. But to the right is, but okay, what, what am I, I'm going to be a little more aware of something that I can be grateful for, or I'm going to do this exercise yeah. and it's in the, pro, the writing prompts are incredible because it's like, okay, again, and I know I'm saying this over and over, but this is why, how much I love this. I'm not ignoring the reality of my, my pain, but then also, and I don't have to have somebody's not dismissing me and I don't have to about, prove myself. And yeah. that, you know, this is a journal where that is real. And then on the other side, if I'm starting to think about, you know, what are some traits I enjoy or what are some things I'm grateful for? Mm-hmm. That it, I love it. As I start to do a little bit of that each day, I'm going to maybe look for a little more things that I might be grateful for. I might be thinking now about what I wrote yesterday and I might, might even be thinking about, and I could have included this in there or that reminded me of a time where, well, I mean, that's, it's incredible. It really is. Thank you. And I know it just just seems like something little. It's like, oh, really? A journal is going to help you um, change your life. But I mean, writing in the journal once is not going to change your life. But if you consistently are thinking about, what can I look out for today that's going to make me grateful? And you are consistently like rewriting your pain story into, you know, things that you've learned and looking out for ways you can help other people. If you consistently do that, you can make changes. Yeah. Yes. Kind of back to some. That's the whole idea of mind flight. Oh, tell me, okay, wait, tell me this. Cause yeah, the, the journal, the name itself is significant. Cause I love it. But tell me the story about the coming out. Okay. So 
people with chronic illness, unfortunately, there's not a ton they can do at a certain point. You know, there's no cure to a lot of these things. And so you can kind of feel stuck and your body isn't really cooperating and it won't be perfect. Kind of hope that the journal would, even though your body's stuck, allow your mind to kind of escape and you can take everything that's in your head and put it into your journal and find comfort and growth that way. Did either one of you in particular who, who had the idea of mind flight? I'm curious. I don't even remember. We don't have to keep track. That's the nice thing. Right, we so really nice. don't. I really don't remember. I, we have no idea who does what. <laughs> I, really, I really was hoping that right then, just for the sake of uh, drawing people to the, the video of this again, that they <laughs> yeah. raise their hand kind of like, you know, right here, you know, like that. But yeah. um, <laughs> Nicole, you talked about... I don't remember. You know, you talked about that you're you're in a lot of these groups, Facebook groups, or, or yeah, chronic pain. Yeah, I mean, and, and I love that you had reached out and asked them questions. I mean, did you? What was the response of saying asking them what would questions? You know, what what? Well, in in three of my pain groups, uh-huh. um, I had said doing this podcast with Tony Overbay. What do you want others to know about chronic pain? And I had over just 300 responses Whoa. in some of those in the groups put together. And that's just in a couple of days. I mean, a lot of them can kind of be similar, but I did. I, I mean, I printed them out and I had some that I wanted to read to you. That would be great. Because I think yeah. that I think other people who have chronic pain will see themselves in this. Okay. But I think other people need to know, too, because for me, a lot of people refer to like invisible illness. I think there's a lot of people who have no idea that my life is full of chronic pain and that's okay. Sometimes, you know, I don't always want that to be, I don't want to be, you know, labeled as a chronic pain per- person. Cause I don't feel like I am. I really don't. Yeah. I think I have chronic pain, but it's not my identity. Um, can I go further? And this is, again, I, I, I don't think this will sound creepy because we go way back and I'm, you know, we're, your husband is my best, yeah. friend, all these things. I mean, you're a, you're a beautiful woman and so is Aisley. And so I like what you're saying earlier where I think people are, are saying, well, she's, she must not have it because she's like you say, she looks like yeah. she's in shape. She, you know, she's, she's pretty. She's so she can't have it. It, it can't be her. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. And I, I think I, I even make that worse because I always feel like I need to be really kind and not be a downer. So when I talk to my doctors, you know, I'm kind of upbeat, you know, I don't think I would have had some of the, like a surgeries that I've had if it hadn't been for my husband, because I'll see later on in doctor's report, you know, patient is very cheerful and, you know, and like, and uh, at one point for one of my surgeries, um, he's like, you know, you're just too young to have this done. And uh, I don't think he saw the incredible amount of pain I was in. And my husband was there with me. And he's like, no, 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 wait. Her life is miserable. And I couldn't have said that for myself because I felt like I don't want to be Debbie Downer, you know. And now I'm realizing that about myself is that, you know, part of being an advocate is like not trying to be really super nice. And, you know, I don't want them to to see that I could be too negative. So, Uh, you you know, it's just a hard well, I see that with uh, sometimes when I have clients that then are going to go, they finally feel like they maybe have ADHD or they might have uh, something else yeah. that the medication could help and they're going to go get testing. And I now feel like mm-hmm. I have to say, hey, be honest when you're taking the psychological evaluation because I've yes, had people come yes, back and yes. tell me they didn't, they didn't diagnose me with it. And, and I'll say why. And then I've had, I remember one person in particular tell me, 
once I got taken the the test, I didn't want them to think I was really, I didn't want to think I was crazy. So, so they weren't answering the questions directly. And so what do you win that day? Nothing. So you Well, I think before we even get to the stories too, or what, uh, when, when the, we'd had the little glitch, we were talking before we hit record again. I want this. I don't, I really don't mind how long we go here. I want to, so if people, I want people to (laughs) settle in and, and just, and listen to, uh, cause I think this is going to be really valuable to hear some of the things that you're going to share. And so I just think that you've got so much good information that we had talked before about trying to contain this in an hour or split it up into two episodes, but I, I want you to just feel like you can share whatever you feel is important out of the things that you brought up. Thank you. Let's do this. Okay. Okay. So um, this was posted in, in three of my groups. So the people that responded have either trigeminal neuralgia, geniculate neuralgia, or hemiplegic migraine, which I um, was just lucky enough to start getting after all of this happened. And that's, um, uh, you get these migraines, but for me, like I lose my speech mm. and the left side of my body becomes paralyzed. So it can be kind of scary. So well, these are people that have to deal with some pretty serious things. And for some people who have hemiplegic migraines, I mean, that you can be paralyzed for a year. You can go into a coma. I mean, they're kind of serious things. So these are people who have some heavy stuff to deal with. But um, I just I just wanted to read a few of their comments. Okay. Um, these are what people wanted others to know about chronic pain, how it affects every single aspect of our lives. I can say TN destroyed my life, my work, my relationships, my mood. Everything revolves around a fear of a flare. And when it happens, um, as I said at the, the other day, it's like every single day we are playing Russian roulette. Oh, um, the person said, I think people find it hard to believe because um, you look okay most of the time. Nobody checks on you anymore and they don't want to hear the same old, same old. They don't get it. Um, please stop telling me <laughs> to cut out gluten, dairy, sugar, corn, soy, non-organic foods, etc. Also, please stop telling me to go vegan, get off birth control, stop drinking caffeine, switch my light bulbs, try yoga, Pilates, or to use essential oils. Wow, that's so, powerful right uh, there. That is, I hear that in therapy all the uh, time. Yeah. Do you really? Yeah, okay, I so I sent you this. It's my favorite Spoonie meme. <laughs> and there's two Viking warriors, yes. and, and they're looking over this field of other dead Vikings, right? And the one Viking says to the other Viking, how do we know if they're dead? And the other Viking says, watch this. I have a chronic illness. And then all of a sudden you see these speech bubbles all over the field. Have you tried essential oils? Have you tried a keto diet? (laughs) And I mean, that happens to pain people all the time. But, you know, it's coming from a good place. I think people genuinely do want to help. Yeah, Yeah, they do. And I do it too, you know, I automatically, you know, if someone tells me, you know, oh, I have back pain immediately. I'm like, I have back pain too. And then I was like listening to your last episode on empathy. And I realized that I just need to shut up and listen. It's so hard. I mean, I I tell you, and I I thought I was very clever and I've started doing this thing in in the office, in my, in my counseling sessions where I'll even say, okay, I'm just going to do therapy 101, what, what psychology 101 would say. And almost as if I'm saying, now I'm not saying this, I'm having empathy for you. But if it was <laughs> psychology 101, then I might say, have you thought about being vegan, kale, a juice cleanse, whatever? I mean, so I've even found myself yes. trying to find this way to say, no, 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 I promise you, I'm being very empathetic, but have you tried these things? You know, and it's, so it's like, yeah, 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 no, that's good. Do you have more of those to read? I mean, these are good. 
I really like Yeah, you. just a couple more. I mean, there's so many. Um, this one says, uh, I think having medical specialists just shrug their shoulders and say, well, nothing's really wrong. You're just having these symptoms can be very discouraging. Um, with so many chronic illnesses, there's no medical understanding of why they're happening or how to change them. Uh, I think just leaving people to fend for themselves with things like migraine, hemiplegic migraine, um, chronic fatigue, POTS, autoimmune is not really good enough. I'd like to see more support on health and how we can promote health in spite of chronic illness and how people can with chronic illness can be better cared for and supported. I love that. Yeah, it is true because that's the thing about chronic. And when I ask, my son-in-law actually has Chiari as well, which Sadly, for my future grandchildren from that family, because now we've got Kiari on both sides. And what's Kiari, I asked him, you know, what, do you, what, what is that one again? Okay. Kiari, Kiari is what Annika had. In fact, it's okay. Kiari month, where the bottom of your brain starts getting kind of sucked into your spinal canal. Okay. Wow. So, um, so he said what he wished other people knew is the thing about chronic pain is that it's chronic. It's forever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think when someone says, I have cancer, we get that. Yes. We're like, Oh, we know what cancer is, you know, and we know what happens with people with cancer. Well, some of these other more obscure illnesses, no one really knows about. And so the thing is, there is no cure for some of these and they will have pain possibly every day until the day they die. That's their prognosis. That's what they have. It's all the time. Oh, I thought this was the best. I'll just stop here, but I could go on and on with what people wish others knew. And I thought this was the most fabulous idea. Um, The best thing you could do for someone with with chronic illness, Google their disease. Because that really shows like, I want to know, I care about what you have. Because if someone does that, I mean, then it really will. I think there's where empathy might start to kick in of, holy cow, you identify with these symptoms, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I love that because I do feel like, and I hear I'm pat myself on the back, but when I, when I feel like I made that switch to, okay, bring me, you know, bring me your Google diagnosis into my office and let's go through those, that checklist. And then I want you to just talk about each one of those symptoms. And what does this mean to you? And tell me stories about when that's happened. And, and oh my goodness, just to have people then just be heard. And, and light eye yeah, yeah. Oh, it is. It's, it must be so validating. And I wish more people could have that because in fact, it was really interesting. And I think it was in your migraine podcast. Uh-huh. Dr. Adam, um, a little shout out there. You, like, yeah. you, you mentioned that you had just read a study that um, people's spouses don't even believe them sometimes. Yep. Yep. And I can't imagine going through the pain that I've had to go through if my family didn't believe me. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and, that, and that happens a lot. It does. And, and yeah, I, and I do. And unfortunately that's the stuff where I see that the HSP part, it, once uh, that alone, um, bringing that into therapy where I've had some, and that one's one that the it's primarily, or there's a higher percentage of women that have that sensory processing sensitivity and they bring it up in yeah, therapy. Yeah. They feel like, Oh my gosh, I finally feel heard, uh, that there is yes. this thing that I, it's not, I, it, it's, it's hard for me just to get over it or I can't just, you know, rub a little yeah. dirt in it. And then bringing that out in no. a therapy session as an emotional bid, and then still having a partner say, "Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know if I believe that." Anyway, can we get back to why I feel like I'm not hurt? You know, and it's like, oh my gosh, that yes, yeah, those are some of the most difficult sessions. Period. That, that I, I bet. Yeah, but I'm so glad you're doing that work. Yeah. Okay. So, so where do we go from here? I mean, I've got so many other questions. You had something in some of the things that we had talked about too. I'm fascinated by this idea of the crowdsourcing for diagnosis because I've never actually done that, but I heard a podcast on it and I have 
talked to a couple of people about, you know, have they thought about it? And one person in particular had never heard of it. What is that? And is it, is it common in the chronic pain community? Uh, I think it's becoming more so that way. And there was just a show that recently came out called Diagnosis, I think. And oh. it was by the doctor that writes for the New York Times. And they started crowdsourcing. You know, they would put people's illnesses and symptoms up. And people were sending from all over the world what they thought it would be. And they're figuring things out. I think that that's going to be the way of the future. Because mm-hmm. when you can connect, like, you know, in, in one of my groups, uh, geniculate neuralgia, we, we're connected with people all over the world. And it's such a rare illness. But now we have expertise from Europe. We have expertise from Germany. We can have medical articles. We can share stories. And I think that um, getting the world to participate and help can only mean better things for people who have chronic illness. So is there a place, is that something I can link someone to, or, or is there a, a, a site for people who crowdsource diagnosis? Is that something maybe? I wish there was. If, okay. there, if there is, I didn't know about it, but I really hope that's the way of the future. Okay. So if anybody, and maybe if people are listening to this and they have things, they can shoot, a, shoot me an email. Um, that would be great. Yeah, but I even think that just, you know, finding groups is yeah, so helpful. Okay. It's yeah. really helpful. I know other people say, oh, you know, a lot of people have the opposite view of what I have. Like, don't Google your symptoms, whatever you do. I find that, um, I find that kind of disrespectful yeah. uh, that what you think that I can't handle learning about the human body and what happens. And for me, it gave me such great comfort to understand what was going on with my body and to connect with other people who were going through some of the same things. So for me, it's been a blessing to have, you know, the world kind of open to me through some of these groups. Well, and that's where I, and I don't even, I'm saying this kind of off the cuff, but I feel like this gets into those deeper issues. I, I kind of feel I see, and part of why I do the podcast that I do is I feel like lots of things. If somebody is Googling their own symptoms, guess what? I feel like that means because they're not heard, because they haven't found anybody that's been there and really helped them uh, understand. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I think about that one often. That's, oh, yeah. It's part of that big, and I need to, I should do a podcast episode on, even I felt like this was a shift for me as a professional because a lot of therapists listen to the podcast, but it, it is that. If someone is Googling, and first of all, if someone, I don't care who you are, if you, you probably have Googled something that you've been concerned about or and your yeah, own yeah. chronic pain, or if it's a knee pain from running, yeah. or if it's ankle pain, or shin splints. Or, yeah. So, you know, for when somebody says, oh, they, they shouldn't do that. Well, number one, they did. Number two, I believe you probably did too. You know, number three, that means that they're not being. Yeah. Number four, it's an opportunity to connect and have uh, empathy to say, what yeah. you out? tell me more, because uh, anyway, yeah. you know, fired up. Okay, so... Um, Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you, you talked about that different podcasts, uh, you, you both credit that for helping you finish the journal. So I don't know, tell me what that means to you. Tell me what that's about. Um, well, I think one of the things that helped us finish the journal was having a growth mindset. I don't know if I learned that from a specific podcast, but just from the book mindset, you know, I yeah. got that book in college and learned a lot about that. And I have that on my bookshelf and just, right here and I'm meeting. To oh, do you? Yeah, I want to do a podcast on that it's, one. So yeah, it's, it's really good. Hey, it's really good. Um, it's, you know, just the idea of you, you can grow your, your brain isn't fixed. Your brain can grow as much as you want it to. You're not coming down to earth and saying, I'll just never be good at something you know you can always grow if you spend enough time doing it also not being afraid of doing something hard 
not being afraid of failure because it's usually a good thing that you're trying and you're doing something new and learning. And so that kind of mindset helped us with the journal, just not being afraid to try something new. And also what we learned, or at least what I learned from, I think it was Jody's podcast or maybe Brooks. You just have to look at the next thing. When you have a big project, just ask yourself, what's the next thing that we need to do? Because it can get overwhelming. And, you know, we had to, you know, get a business license, get our ISBN, come up with the book, get all, you know, 300 quotes and all that, all the writing prompts. And I think just asking yourself, what's the next step? And then doing it, it's, it just makes it so much easier and much more enjoyable too. Yeah. I, you know, what comes to mind too is, uh, do you ever hear that phrase, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? But then I always struggle. Yeah, with, that's exactly the same thing. I don't know if this is the, the ADD part, but I, I get stuck on, why are we eating an elephant? Right? You know, can it just be like a giant? Yeah. Ice cream <laughs> or, <laughs> that's a know? valid question. That's a good question. Thank you for... Uh, but Aisley is super good at learning growth mindset. If it wasn't for her, I don't think we would have finished because I I think I wasn't as a believer. Like, I didn't know if I could, you know... Yeah. Could I really do this? And she was gung-ho on it. Like, of course we could do it. Wow. And I think that's wonderful. But um, podcasts for me um, have been so helpful in in my chronic pain. Uh, when I have a hemiplegic migraine, my, my sight and my hearing are super sensitive so um, I have to go in a dark room and I'm sitting there with a heating pad over my face and I can't look at screens or anything. But what I can do is I turn on my phone and I turn on podcasts. I put it under the pillow. So oh. it's a little muffled yeah. and, and, and I can, I can learn. It's hard for me because I think part of my self-esteem was caught up in what I can do. Like my value to the world is how much I can cross off my to-do list. Mm-hmm. And that's probably been the hardest thing for me about chronic pain um, is like holding still for one and not being feeling like I'm worthwhile because I'm not getting things done or I'm not helping others. How podcasts have helped me is I at least feel like I am learning and I am growing. Uh, I can turn on a podcast. I can hear someone else's viewpoint. I can learn more about how someone else feels or learn about history or science. I feel like I'm not just sitting there wasting away. Which I love, which it goes back to your journal in, in, I mean, in general of you're not discrediting the physical symptoms and the pain and those yeah. things. And there's yeah. that constant leaning toward, okay, even if it's like what Aisley's saying is what's next or, or just aiming that, uh, the, trying to get that neuroplasticity, the, yeah. the create the new neuroplasticity, yes. the positivity. And I know I keep, and I know you guys get this so much, but I feel like it goes back to the, and we're not dismissing the pain. I feel like when people are hearing, uh-huh. Try kale, just meditate, just exercise. I feel like what they're hearing is is, okay, just I'm not acknowledging your pain. You need to focus on this other thing. And it's like, no, pain is there. We it is there, right? And it's but now we'll kind of lean more toward these things. So yeah, yeah. and that's why we have in the journal the pain levels and the pain map too. So you there's a spot, two spots in there, and maybe even more where you can write your symptoms, Mm -hmm. where you can at least if no one is asking you that day about your pain, you know, yeah. at least you have the journal is waiting there where you can write your pain. When I imagine the first thing I thought about, cause I love the little, the little people the you know, yeah. So you've got the yeah. the symptoms and notes with the little people. I'm sure there are some days where they circle the entire person. 
right? Where they just feel everything. Yeah, yeah. And another so. day, they're yeah. feel something on the elbow or the shoulder or the heart. I love how you've yeah. got heart yeah. drawn in there. I mean, I love that because that there yeah. are things I'm sure where it's just, it might hurt the heart to feel like nobody cares or nobody's listening. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you talked about the quotes. I mean, do you have some of those that are your favorite or some of the writing prompts that are your favorite or... Yeah, definitely. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so I I pulled two of my favorite ones, and one of them was just take one negative thought you have and write it down, and next to write next to it, write what if I'm wrong, and what would this mean in your life? Wow. And I think that's really nice because sometimes we believe all the thoughts that are in our head, and so it's kind of nice to just take a step back and look at what you've been thinking about your chronic pain story and just about your life in general and just rethink and see if there's a different way you could look at things. Yeah. And then Can I speak to that too. Is I, I, Oh, yeah. I was going to say the, the part I do a lot of episodes on acceptance and commitment therapy. And what I love about that mm-hmm. is you know, if you've got a goal, that's, you know, this goal that's based on your own values. So not what somebody else thinks that you need to be doing. Um, then those mm-hmm. those stories that your brain is trying to hook you to or get you to believe uh, are the mm-hmm. things that will often get you stuck so that you're not kind of working back toward that goal. And one of the biggest things I love about that is you're not even debating if that story is true or false. And I feel like with chronic pain, you know, yeah. if that's, right, if that story is that this is, that I, I, I don't know, it, I am, the, pre, the, the pain is, is overwhelming at times or it's intense or, and if your brain truly will hook or fuse to that story, and, and I understand because your brain's trying to, it thinks it's doing you a solid because it knows what right that what yeah. that feels like. Even you know, it's scared of what the going after that goal will be, either emotionally or physical pain, either one, right? But we're not even debating if that story is true or false because those are true for someone with chronic pain. That is true, but is it a workable thought toward my goal? And I just, that's why I really like what you're saying there. So again, we're not saying, we're not discounting or saying that those aren't true stories, um, but are they workable thoughts? Yeah. Goal. So I, I like that you shared that. Yeah. It can be useful. Yeah. Um, and then I honestly just like some of the quotes and writing prompts and challenges that are just more fun and self-care oriented because that's nice to have every once in a while, just someone telling you to do something for yourself because some yeah. people need people to yeah. tell them to do that. And so I like our writing prompts that are like, what character from a book or movie would you like to meet? You know, so, fun stuff like that and challenges that are slip away into a world of fiction, create a playlist for meditation, you know, create a morning routine that's going to help you out or make your bedroom more of a haven, you know, things that are just going to help make their environment a little bit better. Emotional baseline. Yeah, exactly. I feel like when Aisley so, nailed it, where I feel like it, sometimes I feel the emotional baseline is simply uh, giving someone permission to have self-care or to do things for themselves because exactly. they feel like, well, I, I shouldn't be doing that. I should be doing all of these things for other people. And that's where I go with the, but if yeah. you get that self-care, now you're going to be in a better spot to do the things that you want to do. Okay, Nicole, my wife would yeah, exactly. my wife would just strangle me if I didn't bring this up. When Aisley's talking about those, who's your favorite character? What's your favorite book? One of our favorite things is when we would go over to your house. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but we would often be met, be met with the, hey, yeah, who who is your favorite, you know, I don't know, if you could be any kind of tree, you know, what would you be? Or where would you, where would you live in a perfect world? Or what's your favorite vacation? And, and it was just, you would throw these things. Oh, yeah. Random questions, but I really want to know these things. Like I love knowing things about people. 
we love that. And so, I mean, we've carried that with us where sometimes if it's just, you know, we're being, oh, that's funny. We're not a lot going on and it might just be almost like a Nicole question. I and mean, we don't call them that, but I mean, I think <laughs> that where it is just, okay, all right. You know, we just watched a movie. What character would you, would you have liked to be? And I don't think I would have. Oh, that's so funny. If it wouldn't have been Nicole. Yeah. Um, well, I, I probably didn't ever realize that not everybody has those thoughts. I'm like, you've never thought about what kind of treat you need? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I love it. I, remember, I was literally one that you asked early on when, and I, and I remember thinking, Oh, I don't really know like a lot of the different kinds of trees. I, I know they're <laughs> a yeah. good one. <laughs> exactly. exactly. For me, it's a, a short man, one that is tall. I guess I could go with that one. Very tall. Yeah. <laughs> be so, Nicole, did you have favorite prompts or, or those kind of things? Yeah. Um, Okay, mine is a little, uh, I would be tempted to read, I have a lot of favorites, but I'll just talk about one, um, because it's meant a lot to me. This is kind of, I'm not a mushy person, like, you don't, how many times have you seen me, like, cry or get emotional, Tony? I just, not not very many. I'm not that kind of kidding, no, exactly. But but this one kind of gets me teary for some reason, and it has been so helpful for me, and maybe you could tell me why, I don't know why, and I don't even know where I came up with this idea, and maybe I didn't. Maybe, maybe I heard this somewhere and I'm crediting myself, but, um, uh, one of the prompts is to take a picture of yourself when you're young and print it out and put it somewhere where you can see it. And every time you see that picture, just speak some really kind words to that person. So you're, you're talking to yourself as a child. So I have this little picture of myself and I think I'm like five or six and I don't know what is so healing about this, but I see that cute little girl and I say, wow you are so creative or you are so strong and just doing that. I mean, it has made such a difference in my life. Maybe you could tell me why I don't even know why, but it has been so helpful. I, I can't, that, that one is deep. And so there's that there is, okay, here's where I go with the psychology one-on-one theory says, but I mean, there is, a, there is a lot Thank of you. where we do feel like um, had we necessarily been encouraged from our, from the time that we were young, what would, would things feel different, look different. I think some of that goes to that, uh, HSP, that sensory processing sensitivity. One of the fascinating things oh, about yeah. that is that in, in cultures or societies where something like HSP, for example, is never questioned. If some, if imagine a, a kid that is never told, yeah. to, hey, uh, just suck it up or get over it or don't be so sensitive. When those yeah. things are nurtured from that time, those are the people that are then looked at as the, you know, they are the wise men in a village or the medicine women or the, so I, I think that sometimes when we do those things, it, it is the, how many times in our own mind did we feel like we, our creativity was stunted or our imagination was uh, told that it was, it wasn't being practical or, I mean, so that would just be something that I, I think maybe to something to explore there. You know, I can't, I remember how many times yeah. I, would, I would feel like, you know, I was told uh, if I was trying my, my ADD, which I never knew as a child or never knew was something young. Yeah. How many times I was told that that was, that story was maybe irrelevant or why did I bring that up? Or, you know, so you yeah. do learn to stuff those things. So I can imagine if I printed up that little kid picture of myself, it would have been, yeah. hey, you're pretty funny, right? You know, are you, you, you do yeah. have a pretty funny mind or that, oh no, that was a good one. You know, I would imagine that would have been pretty healing. Yeah. But, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm glad you think so. I'm glad it has your approval. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, so also the writing part, the, the prompts. I mean, I feel like, at least I know, Nicole, you, you've, you've enjoyed writing. I mean, is that part of Oh, what- my goodness. I, 
I'm such a believer. Like I have, I've had journals since I was a young girl, but um, my journals aren't traditional. Like uh, dear diary today, I uh, had a visit with Tony Overbay on his pocket. I don't write about what happened, but I will pick a subject, you know, or even a, a fun list. Like, you know, my journals are like 20 smells that I enjoy or, um, you know, a happy memory from my childhood, which we really kind of incorporated into this journal. Yeah. Um, they're just fun little things that you can write about. And I, I've always believed that it, it does something to your brain. You get to know yourself a little bit better. And I started doing even some research on studies that found that people who journal, it, it's a real legit thing. And I'm sure you can yeah. explore more about that with your, your, you know, your background in psychology. But what I've found is that, you know, they talk about people who have, um, who journal and they like better understand themselves um, they they do better with self care. They're more insightful to their to their own lives. And I think that there is something that we've been missing in this fast paced world of you know cell phones and screen time. There's something about physically taking a pen to paper and just writing some thoughts down on it. I think it's something very healing in and of itself. Absolutely. And you're right. There is a, a tremendous amount of data because even that alone, it, whether you're, uh, oh, are we pausing? Oh, wait, okay. We're back. I was scared. I paused for a second. You guys okay. looked very concerned there. <laughs> oh. it was like, okay. Um, but, but I do feel like that it, it is, it's slowing things down, which is a good thing. Anytime you can kind of start to look inward, yeah. and be worried about all the external things that are going on, not be so reactive, right. Be a little more proactive. And I yeah. feel like, and I feel like over time it does become a, if you are going to journal, even you're more aware throughout the day of the, you're just being more aware, more present. And I think that that, yeah. I think that's, yeah. a little thing. that's why I love, you know, I do a daily mindfulness uh, meditation in the morning, this uh, yeah. headspace app. And yeah. I feel like, and I feel like if I do it in the morning then I'm going throughout the day now being more aware or being more mindful or, you know, for people yeah. that are religious or spiritual, if you, if you read some faith promoting um, text scriptures, uh, faith promoting stories in the morning, you're thinking of that as you go about your day. And so I feel like it's just being more aware, kind of uh, planting that, that seed as you go about that. That's my thoughts. Yeah. Um, no, it is. And it's, it's hard to like to, to explain to people, like, I'm sure it's frustrating in your profession. It's like, you want to probably scream from the rooftops. No, meditation can really help. Oh, it kills me. Um, but it just, <laughs> it's do. not a quick fix, you know? Yeah. And, and I feel the same about journaling. It's like, I'm, I'm sure someone's yeah. going, yeah, uh, writing a journal is really going to help me. And I'm like, try it, try it, consistently show up. And see what happens in your life. Well, you, that is so, you are so true. That is right. Because as with mindfulness, and I just was talking with a new client a couple of days ago. And I said, and I said, man, I hate to sound so blasé about this, but I said, I'm going to now go into a little bit about, because they wanted some tools, they wanted some homework. And I, and I went into the, I'm going to talk about mindfulness for a minute. And I'm going to go ahead and let you know, 25% of people that I talk with will never do it. And they will just think it's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and 25% of the people are mm-hmm. going to go home today and start a daily mindfulness practice. And it's going to change their life sooner than they anticipated. Yeah. 50% chunk are going to try it eventually kind of get the idea. think it's kind of helpful. And anytime I bring up mindfulness, yeah. they're going to either go, right, right. I know. And I, and I get it, but, but they don't because they're not doing that. And so I imagine the journal thing is probably the, the same. And I need to take that challenge as well, because I think it would be helpful to, to write. Yeah. I mean, so I, I, I need to commit that to you. I will do that. I will start trying to write more. <laughs> I'm excited about that. 
Um, I know we talked about this a little bit, but any other kind of uh, interesting thoughts or, or stories around working as a mother daughter dynamic? I'm sure there are people listening that are thinking, I don't know if I could work with my mom, or I don't know if I could work with my daughter. I mean, was that easier than you thought? Well, for us, it's super easy. We're, I don't know, we're into the, all the personality tests, but like Myers Briggs. Yeah, yeah. We're both the same thing. We're both INFJs. INFJ. And so, um, yeah, one thing, would you, did you already know that? Like, can you tell? I don't know, maybe. Like, <laughs> want to go, well, they're totally INFJ. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, one thing for us that's important is like, it's hard for us to pour ourselves work-wise into something unless we really believe in it. Uh-huh. And we both really believed in it. And, and so it was fun for us to do together. We were on the same page. We wanted to get this out into the world. So it was really easy for us to work on it. Yeah. And I think it's was really nice having two people because yes. when someone loses faith, the other's like, no, no, we, no, no, we can do it. It's okay. Or <laughs> well, when someone's busy, the what? other person can take over. Yeah, your story earlier, Aisley, where you're, if you're the one with, yeah, that growth mindset or that, yeah. what's next? And I really heard you when you're saying that. If your mom at points was saying, I don't know if we can, right? Then, I mean, yeah. I imagine Nicole, and, and this is, I think, uh, with anybody that's trying to take on something by themselves, it's that's there. Here comes those stories my brain is going to try to fuse me to, to keep me away from the, yeah. the fear okay. of being known. You know, I, I did just finish, yeah. finally, I finished uh, my first book project and I had a co-author. And I know if I wouldn't have had the co-author that I would, I know I wouldn't have finished it. And yeah. so and the next one I want to do, ironically, yeah, it, does. It, keeps you accountable. it does. And it's, and even with that, I know that I needed at times for him to tell me that, Hey, we got this. And, and it was, it was just really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious. Yeah. Just- and we were lucky too, because both our husbands are very supportive. They're, they totally believed in this. Yeah. You're, they yeah. think it's a great idea. I say yeah. both your husbands, I, you know, uh, Obviously, Nicole J, my my proclaimed BFF, and uh, Aisley's husband. Um, I think I taught him. In oh, that's right. You've known Aisley's husband since he was right. a child. He was a, since he was a tiny young man. I forgot about that. Home, cool guy in the world. Yeah, like that was really cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, so, you've known him since he was eleven. <laughs> I, I, exactly right. So, so I am kind and of. And Aisley since he was like two. <laughs> oh, I know. Aisley and I go way back. I, I and I, Aisley was I your favorite? Uh, was I your favorite seminary teacher? By the way. Oh, for sure. Thank you. That you was, win. That was a correct answer. Um, how, how has, and this one might be a big question, but how has pain changed you for the better? Um, is that, a, is that, you know, tell me, tell me more about that. Oh, I'd love to talk about it. Do you want to say anything first? Uh, sure. Okay. Um, I mean, like I said earlier, I, I don't have as much pain as her or a lot of other people. So my perspective is slightly different, but I think, for me, what I've learned from watching them and experiencing a little bit is just the importance of balance. I think when you have chronic pain, it's really hard to know, should I rest and try to heal my body and take a break so I don't get worse or get a flare up? Or should I just push through and attack the day and go after things? And so it's really hard to decide each day which one you're going to do. And so I think it's just really important to if you're not going to have a journal or something at least think about your body and just try to pay attention to yourself and go with your instincts if you're feeling like you need to lay down then lay down and don't feel indulgent about it just give yourself a break and if you're feeling like you want to push through then go for it and I think it's just important to find the balance and not make sure you're overdoing it but also 
you know, yeah, resting and I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> it makes so much sense because I feel like that is the part where people feel guilty about that or people feel guilty if they need to take an yeah. extra day or they need more transition time or yeah. I like what you're saying is it's yeah, trust yourself or trust your body or I mean that's and, yeah. and I know that's where all those exactly. stories come up I where you're yeah and people's then that's where stories come up in the brain of yeah but then people might think I'm this or people might whatever and and if our goal mm-hmm. is to, to heal or to really feel better or improve or or to keep sanity or any of those things then those stories yeah. we're not debating if they're true or false people might think what they're going to think Right. That's not exactly. a productive thought though toward uh, your, your growth. Yeah. I like that. Exactly. Okay. Nicole, I feel like this could be a big, and, what have you learned? Right. I'll try not to go on and on, but um, in, in all honesty, I'm not trying to be cheesy or anything at all, but I am a better person because of these weird things that have no. happened in my life. Um, the obvious answer is of course, I'm more compassionate towards others. And I, I feel like I've always felt like, I probably am a highly sensitive person and I could sense others' pain sometimes. Yeah. Um, But even so now I I feel like I can tell um, when somebody needs, you know, to talk or someone needs someone to listen, you know, I I do feel like I can identify these things more quickly because I've gone through this experience, but that's the obvious one. But some things that maybe other people wouldn't see um, that have changed me are that for, for one, I'm a smarter person. Um, I like you have AD and when you and I were in school, uh, it really wasn't a thing. And that's why I loved your ADD podcast so much because uh, I grew up, I didn't think I was smart because I mean, I did okay in school, but I did not feel very intelligent and, um, and coming through this and realizing like, I, I can't even count how many hundreds and hundreds of hours I have spent researching, you know, um, neurology and neurosurgery. And and those are my bedtime stories. And, and I feel like, um, I feel like it's kind of empowered me to feel like I can understand these things and I am a smarter person. She, Um, she really is smarter because anytime anyone has a weird illness going on, she can diagnose it. (laughs) Well, I've never heard of things. It's fascinating. I'm like, what, what's this going on? She's like, Oh yeah, that's just, that's a whole whole other show. That's going to be the Nicole's reality show down the road. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, but it's also taught me to be more assertive, um, to maybe stick up for myself more. Um, it's taught me, um, it's okay to say no. Um, and to not worry about what others think, you know, if I have to, um, break a commitment because I have, you know, I'm in pain that day and someone is insulted and, and they, they think that I'm maybe blowing them off. Like I can't change that. And I feel like my true friends, they will understand. And I just have to let the rest, the rest of it just go. Um, but I've learned also that I can do hard things. Uh, I can do pain. I can, um, I can go through some hard times and, um, but most importantly for me, I have really learned about the inherent goodness of other people. Mm-hmm. I have learned how there, there have been some people who have done some very, very kind things, um, that I might not have thought of, particularly when my daughter had her brain surgery, there were people that reached out and did some amazing things. And as I saw that happening, I just felt, um, very privileged to learn. This is what you do. This is how you help somebody in pain. And it has been, it's just, it's just an honor to have those lessons in my life and to learn how good people are. Wow. 
that that is amazing. That is. Uh, and, and so do you feel like you obviously this, and I'm not trying to make this into sales pitch here, but mm-hmm. uh, I feel like you've, you've encapsulated a lot of that in the, in your book of just, I mean, with that those positive, that. those positive pieces and the, the journals and the writing yeah. and the gratitude and the, so that does, I mean, I'm kind of hearing that as you're saying that is again, we, the, the pain yeah. piece that I always do that because I know it's on the left-hand side, but then there's all this beauty that is still out there. Yeah. And, Yes, there is. I love it. Even though you're in pain, you still find beauty in the world. Yeah, yeah. And then so maybe maybe kind of in as we kind of wrap things up here, what do you recommend people do? If there are people, people are gonna hear this and they're gonna know, wow, I'm gonna look at other people and and now I know someone that has chronic pain. And I and now what do you what do they do? What do they say? You know, what what can they do to help somebody that has chronic pain? Yeah. Um, I think what the person on the one of her Facebook pages said earlier about researching somebody else's oh, illness, that yeah. one really does really important to me because it just shows that you're willing to go the extra mile to understand what they're going through. Okay. And I think that's one of one really yeah, good one. I love that. Um, I would say Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say, um, believe people when they tell you, you know, if they, if they tell you they're not well, don't, um, just don't blow them off, you know, or don't think they're making it up because to be believed is so validating when you have something you cannot figure out, um, and let people know that they're valued for who they are. Because, um, if they're like me, I, I described how hard it was for me to, um, I had to really work on my self-esteem because my self-esteem was how much I could cross off my to-do list. And all of a sudden I can't do the to-do list. I had to really do some work on, okay, I am valued as a person for just who I am. Um, So if you could remind people that, you know, you're loved for who you are, not what you get done. Um, I think that's helpful. Um, You should probably bring them cookies. That's always a great idea in my world because nothing says love. Yeah. 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 And then, um, um, I really think you should believe in the goodness of others and never stop losing that. Um, but also Tony, I have to say, and, and, and I'm not just trying to, you know, puff you up here, but there are some, there's some really good episodes that you have that I wrote down that I think would help people who are chronically ill. Um, I thought your, your last one that you did on empathy. Mm-hmm. And I think that was 95 or no, 139. Okay. But I also wrote down 93, 95, also talk about empathy. Yeah. But um, 139, how to empathy, that was probably what I would recommend, the number one podcast for people to listen to who know someone who has chronic pain. Oh, I appreciate that. I loved that. And I thought you nailed it on that. Um, and it was beautiful. And um, that's one of my favorites. But you also have some, um, you had episode 128 on Dr. Adam Harcourt. And, um, he talked a lot about concussions and migraines and, um, uh, you had one Oh six on neuroplasticity of the brain. And we talked about that. Um, all of your episodes are good, but, um, I think this is your number one downloaded podcast, but I would recommend uh, raising your emotional baseline. No, that's kind. Is that number 12? Uh, I see. It was so funny. I, I don't know any of the numbers of any of them. Do you know, how could you have them memorized? There's just so many. <laughs> no, but it's, so, no, it's so funny. It's, I think it's because once I do one, then the imposter syndrome kicks in as soon as I hit done. And so then I don't want to think about yeah. it. Listen to it. I don't, cause I feel yeah. like what if I was, what if I sounded silly? What if nobody believes me? What if somebody comes and knocks on the door and says, 
you're actually harming people, you know, or, or that sort of thing. So, so I, no. you know, no, but so I appreciate that. The, the emotional no. There's a, that one I've tried to get in a few different, uh, a few different podcasts. I love it when I still feel even silly when somebody comes into my office and they talk about the emotional baseline or somebody's quoting emotional baseline in, in another, in an Instagram post or in another podcast. And, and it's somebody that maybe I had interviewed or, and yeah, but I just, I'm, I'm grateful. Yeah. I, I, and, and now you have this book that's, uh, you know, kind of based on Tony Overbay. Yeah, so, I guess we should have been giving you royalties or something. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> we're good. We're good. Um, hey, I, and I, I hear well, I appreciate it. I really do. And and uh, I know that I just said before we wrap it up, but I do feel like when we had the camera paused and, uh, and my wife was leaving, um, you had shared you, you were, that was big when you were there for her as well. What was, tell me that, what was that story again? When the two of you had both felt like you had been, ah, yeah, right. We were both just like, hit, we were both hitting the wall, <laughs> super tired. And it was funny because we hadn't, we hadn't told each other really. Cause you know, those kinds of things, you know, you don't want to just admit to everybody. I'm just so tired. You know, yeah. you don't want to be whiny or everything, but it was interesting because we both went to the doctor saying we're tired and, and we both got the same answers. We're like, you're just, you know, stressed or depressed. Yeah. <laughs> it was nice to have to fall back on and go, your doctor said the same thing. Yeah, I felt like <laughs> and you know, Wendy, Wendy is like, you know, superwoman. She is like, the toughest woman anyone could meet. She literally swims with sharks. You need to have her on a podcast so people know how amazing she is. Okay, you, you, I, you just said that. I want her to hear. That. I tried. I even told her for our anniversary coming up soon. You know, twenty ninth anniversary. Can she just do a podcast interview with me? And she's like, nope. Yep. So, uh, you know, maybe. maybe. <laughs> Uh, our 50th anniversary, maybe she'll come on a podcast another 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> she is a fascinating, insightful woman. She is. So where do people find the Mind Flight Journal? Uh, where do we find it? Uh, we have an Instagram where we share about it. It's just called Mind Flight Journal, but you can also just go to mindflightjournal.com. And it's just all one word. Okay. And, and we have a Facebook page as well if you want to check it out on there. Yeah. Okay. So And we'll have a special link. A Tony Overbay code. <laughs> we'll have, yeah. If you if you put in virtual couch, they're going to get a good deal. Okay, I appreciate that. I do. I, I'm very honored by that. I really am. Uh, Nicole and Aisley. Yeah. Well, let so me much. say, we just want to get the word out. Yeah, and I, and again, I just if anybody if anybody experiences any type of chronic pain or honestly, and I and I, again, this sounds not like the big sales pitch, but um, I think a lot of times it, somebody receiving the Mind Flight Journal. If they if they have talked about having chronic pain and have not felt heard, I mean, I feel like this would this would yeah. be an incredible gift to get. I mean, talk about somebody saying, uh, "Okay, I'm not just going so to try." I'm not just trying to tell my you know, the person that I don't believe you or whatever, but actually, here this this is. Um, I think it would be a wonderful gift. I really extremely do. validating. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we will have you on again. I think we need to go over some more of those stories oh, that you got from your. So much. Yeah, and I think we need to yeah do, we've loved talking with you. We got to do podcasts. We got to do a whole podcast series on this. We have to do a reality TV show. We have to do, uh, I don't know. We'll get all- <laughs> <laughs> um, that could be very interesting because you would be, uh, you and Jay would be laughing the entire time. They're very want, silly boys together. I want Jay on a podcast. I just got to figure out what I, what I can talk to yeah. him about, you know? I mean, because he and I have very, very, very many stories where, yeah, having similar types of humor in situations where that humor was not necessarily appreciated. Um, But some of the funniest times in my life. Oh, I'm so glad. But I do have a question for you. One last question. (laughs) Yeah. Did my husband 
make an anonymous appearance on your ADD podcast. <laughs> what was the, What was the story? Which one? What were you talking about? Which part? About your friend who had ADD who told you about how his Adderall changed his life. I was like, oh, that's that's my husband. I know it. <laughs> was it? It might have been. Yeah, that might have been. <laughs> <laughs> That's super funny. Uh, yeah, that would pretty much be it. Yeah. And uh, change my life. Change my life. All right. Hey, I will. Uh, I appreciate it. That's right. All right. Um, I'm going to hit, I'm going to hit pause, uh, but you guys still hang on here for a second, but thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so what did we learn today? A little bit about what it's like being my neighbor, but more importantly, I hope you learned more about the plight of people who are struggling with chronic pain and illness and how difficult it must be not to feel heard, to be constantly told that it's in your head or that it's simply because you're too stressed. And I hope that you were able to pull a few tools from today's episode, from being a better listener to maybe standing up for yourself with regard to your own health and even how to best be there for folks who might be struggling with chronic pain and illness. Uh, Don't forget, Google that diagnosis. And don't forget BetterHelp.com. Please go to BetterHelp.com slash Virtual Couch because you'll get 10% off your first month's service. And it does help a little bit with covering the cost of recording and producing the podcast. And please remember that the Virtual Couch is not a replacement for professional counseling. And I would be forever grateful if you liked something that you heard today. Share the show with a friend who you think might benefit from today's topic. And on that night, uh, on that note, if you like the show, please take a quick moment to subscribe or rate or review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help more people find the podcast. And feel free to contact me at contact at tonyoverbay.com if you have questions or if there's a topic that you think would make a good podcast, or if you're interested in having me come speak to your group or company, organization, or congregation about any of the topics that you've heard on the show. And with that said, I will see you next time on The Virtual Couch. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.